Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to episode 114 of the Retire with Confidence podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm Jim. And we believe by providing education and guidance, we can inspire you to make great decisions so you can retire with confidence. We just got back from spring break. Jim's looking tan. Yeah, yeah, it was a well, well-deserved break, I feel like. Well-overdue break, maybe that's a better way to say it. I feel like I'm on break right now. Break is after I get back from being with the kids on break for, for 10 days. Yeah. Well, tell us, about, tell us about Disney World. Yeah, we had a great time. Went down to Orlando, uh, did the Disney parks. I went with another family, great friends of ours, and uh, just really enjoyed it. I feel like we've been several years since we've been down there. So my youngest, uh, Brett, is a 10-year-old now, was probably two when we went last. So we felt like we owed him one more good trip, and we were able to get down there and do it. It was a lot of fun. I heard he did it the right way, too. <laughs> we did. We had uh, we had a couple tours lined up, and... Uh, that that was a great experience. Awesome, being able to kind of get guided around those parks. It was so wonderful. so with Disney thirty five percent capacity mm-hmm. and masks and everything, like was it still, you know? It it was yeah, it was still fine. I and mean, the capacity was nice because the waits were short um, or non existent or or yeah, <laughs> at times really they were non existent. We had a couple times where we really with our, you know, with our tour, we were able to kind of speed to the front and there was really not a lot of waiting at all. So that was great. Uh, masks were, you know, not ideal in a 90 degree day, but uh, I don't know. Unfortunately, at this point, I feel like we're gotten so used to it that it's, uh, it wasn't as much of a, a nuisance as I anticipated. Cool. cool. Yeah. How about you? You went down to uh, Florida as well? Yeah, we were in on Marco, staying with my in-laws. We had some good weather and yeah. we were able to get a couple extra days because of we you know we bookended the weekends oh, and yeah. that worked out well with flights. Good. And we had uh, like like you said is hitting hitting ninety degrees. Yeah. And uh, we we had some nice days at the beach and playing a lot of pickleball. Oh, nice. A lot of family fighting. It's, uh, oh, over pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. <laughs> uh, all right. That's why I said it's great to be back. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Robin Hood and a, mm-hmm. a specific story that actually came to our attention while we were out of town. Yeah. Yeah. It was very interesting because there's been so much talk about Robin Hood, right? And the Robin Hood traders, and they've really swung some individual stocks pretty significantly. Like the, some of the, the most well-known names like GameStop and AMC. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's piqued a lot of interest, and but the the story that you know we came across had some interesting uh, repercussions to it that people probably weren't often thinking about. Right. So this guy, I, I think he had like fifty thousand dollars in his account or something like that, mm-hmm. which I hear is fifty times larger than the average Robin Hood account, by the way. <laughs> I think you're right. But uh, the guy had fifty thousand dollars in his account, and when he went to file his tax returns it was determined that he had an $800,000 federal tax bill. Yeah. So how in the world could that be the case, right? Even I was like, wait, what is that? Like, I have to read this. Right. Because I thought maybe it was clickbait. Yeah. But it's it's legit. It was legit, yeah. I'd love to read the follow-up story <laughs> with this guy. Right. Know? Yeah, to see how it all works out in the end, right? Yeah. So how can you have a $50,000 account and have an $800,000 tax liability? 
Yeah, I think the one thing people don't think about in a, in a taxable account, right, a non-retirement account, um, every buy and sell has a tax consequence to it. And I think really the ba what, what this trader got himself into was the wash sale rule, right? If you mm -hmm. sell a stock and buy a stock within a 30-day window, um, you can really create some problems where um, you know losses can't be offset and things like that. Gains get added to the, the, the cost basis and it just continues to grow. So I believe that the article referenced the amount of his trading. Mm -hmm. He said it was he was placing trades all day, every day. Yeah, and he T was trading ten to fifty trades a day. It's yeah, been. trading hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout the day mm -hmm. with a fifty thousand dollar account, right? So he was churning it many mm -hmm. times per day, right. right? And so if you sell something for a gain, right, that's a taxable gain. Mm -hmm. Right, and then the next trade is a loss, mm -hmm. right? And you, in theory, are able to write that off against your gains. Mm -hmm. But if you buy the same thing, sounds like every five minutes, mm -hmm. and you keep buying and selling all day, you can't write off your losses. Right. So you only are reporting the gains. And if let's just say, you know, fifty percent of the trades were winners and fifty percent were losers, he's only paying taxes on on the winners. And he's trading at such high volumes, there's reliability. Right. All short-term gains. Right. No losses to write off. Yeah. He needed to wait 31 days to be able to write off any of those losses. But like you said, the amount, the frequency of it, which is just insane, 50 trades a day on the same position, mm -hmm. uh, obviously it created a huge, a huge problem for this guy. Yeah. So I feel like you know, there's got to be some sort of re relief. Right, like maybe there's a GoFundMe. I don't know, right? <laughs> but but I feel like I, I would be able. To, I feel like you should be able to like write a letter to the IRS and get some relief. But who knows? Ignorance, right? Yeah. Just say hey, I don't know what the heck. And I'm this doing. could the, like if the guy has a, a normal job, you know. And it, it said he did. It he could ruin he, his life. He makes like sixty thousand a year, kind of deal. So he could be, you know, this tax liability could yeah. be with him forever. Yeah, the IRS is somebody that you don't want to be in uh, debt with. Correct. They don't forget. I mean, the penalties and late, you know, and interest, and yeah. it's just going to be terrible. Yeah. Feel sorry for him. Yeah, it's a real nightmare. Yeah. Only if it was an IRA, right? You, you know, no issue. Right. Because the tax deferred, you could have continued to do that all day if you wanted. So let's, you know, this is nothing new, right? We're a couple months late to this to the story. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're, this is not a breaking news podcast, right? Right. But let's talk for a second about the GameStop and the AMC. And by the way. We're talking about specific securities here, but this is not intended to be any kind of recommendation to buy or sell. It's just for entertainment and education, education. in this purpose. Yep. Yeah. So we have the GameStop, the AMC, the Silver Squeeze. This this narrative of the little guy going up against the hedge fund titans, mm -hmm. right? So let's talk about that. You know, what do you, when I say GameStop, what do you think about? I mean, it was the catastrophic rise that it had in such a short time. I mean, it's a company that was on bankruptcy's doorstep, right? And it was the most heavily shorted stock in the market. And the individual traders more or less decided, hey, if we, if we start buying it, the shorts are going to be forced to cover, right? So they every, kind of all went in together and just said, let's buy it, let's buy it, let's bid it up. And it just, and every time the shorts had to cover, they had to buy, which pushed it up so further. So that's the short then, squeeze aspect yeah. of it, right? Yeah. So it went from like 20 bucks. Well, it went from like six bucks up to 20, right? And then mm -hmm. after that is when it shot the moon and it went up to like 250, even like 350 in yeah. after hours, right? Yeah. 
So that you know the shape of that chart is exponential, mm -hmm. and we know that you know those exponential charts are doomed, mm -hmm. right? Doomed. Yeah. You know you have to stay away from that kind of stuff when you see the chart, right? Like that. But everyone's so emotional, right? You think I can't miss out, fear of missing out, mm -hmm. and then you know you 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 think it's going to literally go to the moon, mm -hmm. and then you're left holding the bag because you're late. Right. Right. You, the last guy out is, is going to be in a world of hurt. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And that's the problem with, with trading stocks like that is you never know when that moment is. Right. Is it when it went from 20 to 60? Because that's a monster move. Right. In, in such a short time. Was that's it, already exponential. Right. And then it went from 60 to 120. You just got to double. Are you at the top? No. Right. It kept going up. So people, like you said, fear of missing out. So people jump in, everybody jumps in, the Robin Hood guys. That's why this guy trades so much, right? Because he doesn't want to miss out. He thinks it's going to go on forever. Good point. Real good point. Let's talk for a second about the narrative that developed of the little guy versus the hedge funds. <laughs> you know, I, mm -hmm. I never bought into that. I just kind of sat back and kind of laughed. It, it, it's an interesting story, right? Mm -hmm. Like it makes you, it goes along with the whole Robin Hood, mm -hmm. you know, the namesake. The nameplate yeah. and everything, and but I just never bought into it because, you know, the, these little guys, you know, they want to make money. The hedge funds, they want to make money. They don't want to make. They don't. Their number one objective is not to hurt someone else, mm -hmm. right? It's it's buying in because they think that they can ride the wave, right? Mm -hmm. It's not. Well, I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna try and make money and hurt you at the same time. Yeah. Right. That's all it is. It's trying to make money. And it's, it was like a side thing about the whole hedge fund thing. And I think that people talk that up a lot more than yeah. than it really should have been. Yeah, that's a good point. I, they saw an opportunity. It wasn't an opportunity to, to stick it to the man, right? It was an opportunity to make some money because yeah. they knew the dynamics of the, the, you know, the short positions on that stock created an opportunity to, to make it move and do just what it did. Exactly. So we, we found another article kind of talking about this theme of all the individual retail, you know, the small guys investing more. Mm -hmm. And we call it fund flows. So 2020 mm -hmm. saw remarkable fund flows relative to what, the last 10 years yeah. from retail investors? Yeah. Well, what, what did you find out? Yeah, it was just another headline that caught our attention that talked about the flows within the last year equaled, I can't remember the exact, was it the last 10 years worth of? Something like that. Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I mean, it just, it just really stood out to me because I think it, it all ties into the same things that we're talking about, right? Is people the fear of missing out and all these people that had a couple thousand bucks on the sideline said, "Hey, I got to get in on this," right? And and in like Robinhood, right? They make it easy. They make it fun. They make it like a game, right? You buy a stock and confetti falls from the sky and things like yeah. that. So people get in on it. Uh, so there were huge flows of new money into the market um, that that you know has been a catalyst for maybe some individual stocks, but even maybe the market as a whole. Agreed. And it reminds me of 1999. I was in college, okay? Mm -hmm. And we were opening our online brokerage accounts with, you know, Ameritrade back then. Daytech, anyone? Oh, wow. Remember that one? Yeah. They had the streamer. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Good so one. actually Ameritrade acquired Daytech back in the day. Uh-huh. So, um, I technically had my Ameritrade account open since like 98. Yeah. Right? You're, you're in early for One sure. One of the first, yeah. yeah. So anyway, in 99, we saw the same type of action mm -hmm. where the tech stocks were getting bid up and they had these exponential charts 
and we know how that ended. And the the uh, highest market cap in in March of 2000 was Cisco, mm -hmm. and that company hit like $82 a share mm -hmm. back in March of 2000, and it's still not back. Mm -hmm. So we're like 21 years later, right? You've still lost money, yeah. And not just like a little bit. I mean, like you're down a lot, right? I think that Cisco is like 50 or something right now, mm -hmm. and it was 82. So when you have these exponential moves, you know. Maybe you'll get your money back, but it might be 20 some years later, yeah. right? Right. And a lot of those companies went out of business. So who knows what's gonna happen with a GameStop, with an AMC. You know, AMC raised some money, so maybe they're, mm -hmm. they have a little bit of a runway to go. But you think about theaters, right? And you know, when, I can't remember the last time I went to a theater. Yeah, it's a changing business for sure. Sure. Hollywood's kind of gotten comfortable putting movies straight on streaming services. Yeah, and I love my HBO Max because mm -hmm. I can watch King Kong Godzilla without the $10 popcorn, right? <laughs> right. And I, you know, I, I watched it, but I was not impressed. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> my well, the son, numbers looked good on it, but I think yeah. it's because people were so starved for anything new. Yeah. Right? <laughs> my son really liked King Kong all of a sudden, so okay. he liked it. <laughs> but the, the story was terrible. Yeah, okay. Um, so what was I saying? So yeah, so in 99, we had online trading mm -hmm. and the same kind of thing happened with the tech stocks. Now we have the, you know, the Robin Hood, the stay at home situation, the stimulus checks, mm -hmm. right? There's mm -hmm. people who like to gamble and bet. They can't, there's no sports. So what they do? Right. They turn to stocks, Yep. right? And we like to say, every once in a while you hear someone say that the stock market is a casino. And this, you know, here it was. It really was. <laughs> kind of proving point. it. There, Normally, yeah. not so much the case. Yeah, it's an investment. It's not a mm -hmm. not a bet. Uh, but you know, these were bets. Yeah, yeah. And when you see those moments of kind of irrational trading or irrational price movements, and that's that's where it does become a little casino-like. But you know, as we saw in '99, they're often short-lived, right? Yeah. And, and they don't often they don't ever really end well, right? I remember '99 really well. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's, you know, still have a lot of painful experiences from it. Yeah. Right. Because you thought it was going to go up forever, but the floor always falls out at some point. Yeah. Imagine as a kid, right? And I was like 18, 19, mm -hmm. 20 years old, taking those huge losses, mm -hmm. right? And it's like that was my first investment experience. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, when it was like a five-year-old learning a life lesson. Right. Right. Because I was basically an infant in the. Sure. Trading in investment world, mm -hmm. and you have that severe beatdown, and you never forget it. Mm -hmm. so oh, absolutely. I, yeah, I think you're right. One more thing, uh, with with uh, Robinhood, what was interesting was with, and I don't understand how all the prime brokerage stuff works. I don't even pretend to be an expert in that area, but they had to re they had to say you can't buy these stocks anymore because mm -hmm. of the risk that. The, the brokerage firm itself was dealing with and they had to raise two billion dollars right. like overnight they had real liquidity problems yeah. they did right so you know I found it very interesting that they had to throttle what you can buy I find that you know mm -hmm. I mean I got, they wouldn't do it unless they had to mm -hmm. but it's scary yeah right it's scary yeah and for those active traders I mean that put them in a really bad spot if you were in a position where you couldn't uh, make a trade you needed to make or do something, you know, to be, to have Robinhood kind of, uh, kind of shackle you like that was, yeah. was really frustrating, I'm sure, for a lot of people. The last time we saw something like that was 
was with Betterment, which mm-hmm. is the robo advisor back. Yep. When was Brexit? Fifteen, I think, two thousand sixteen or two thousand fifteen. Oh uh, yeah, sounds about right. So Brexit announcement was like Wednesday, I think. Mm-hmm. And then on Thursday and Friday, you know, the market sold off. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Betterment shut it down. They said no selling or no sale orders. Mm-hmm. So if you needed money, you couldn't get it. And they said they did it to protect their clients, and ultimately the market, you know, rebounded. But you know, yeah. If one of our clients calls us and they say we need money, whatever reason, I'm buying a house, I'm buying a boat. Mm-hmm. We got to work in the boat to every podcast, okay? <laughs> buying a it's boat, fair, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I'm scared. I want to put money in the bank, mm-hmm. or I need my mortgage payment. You know, to say no. Yeah. Come on. That's a, that's a real problem. That is. Yeah. So anyway, this is uh, kind of like a new world, right? I think mm-hmm. that Robin Hood's here to stay. They're huge, mm-hmm. right? And one, one thing that's great about uh, uh, Robin Hood is that they had free trades, and now free trades are everywhere. Yeah. So they kind of uh, disrupted the market. Right, yeah. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the whole uh, short squeeze, GameStop, all that stuff, I have no interest in that. Yeah, I think, and even at this point, right, like you said, it's been a little while. I think a lot of that has kind of died down, right? A lot of those guys that were making money thinking this is the greatest thing ever have now lost a lot of that money and have no gains to show for it and think, well, that wasn't so fun after all. Yeah, my favorite is on Twitter when you see the guys announce that they've quit their day job and now they're going to be a (laughs) full-time trader. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I I mean, I think this should be a takeaway from it because I feel like we saw it in 99. We're seeing it again, right? Trading is hard. Yeah. Like people don't realize how hard it is to trade, to get in at the right time, to get out at the right time. Even the best traders in the world, you know, they're lucky to get it right six out of 10 times. Even Mr. Zach Morris got right out of the (laughs) gym. He did. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. But yeah, it's such a hard thing to do. And, uh, you know, everybody wants to win the lotto, right? They get rich quick. But every time I see this, it just kind of reinforces to me that, you know, slow and steady wins the race, you know, just yeah. make good decisions, save money, invest well, and it'll work out. That seems like a good point to wrap it up on. <laughs> so if you have a portfolio of 500,000 or more, and you're interested in a second opinion, you can learn more at peakwm.com. You can schedule online and everything. We got uh, online booking available. Perfect. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast, sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.